you have your Bibles with me, you this morning, and if you would, uh, find two places with me today, and that is 1 Samuel uh, chapter 29, as we're going verse by verse through the Word of God, and 2 Samuel, which will be the very next book, chapter 22. And uh, we are continuing going verse by verse today, but as you are finding those, I have a couple cards I would like to read to you today. Uh, The first is from Fox Meadows. Your thoughtfulness means so much, more than the words can ever say. Thank you for the gifts for residents at Christmas, Fox Meadows. So as we are continuing to love and care for people in our community, it matters. The second card I have is from Chicago, uh, Ten Mile Baptist Church. May this card find each of you blessed in the peace and grace of our Savior. We understand that this doesn't reflect or do justice to the impact you have each made to our ministry. We trust that God will take care of that, whether in this life or the next. However, it would be remiss of us if we did not formally thank you for the prayers, support, and provisions that you made for our tree giveaway Christmas tree giveaway in late November and Project Joy in December. Hundreds of people felt the love and care of their local community church and were engaged with the gospel. You all have had something to do with that. Once again, thank you. We want to see his fruit of love and labor. And that's from Starting Point Community Church up in Chicago. Third card I have for you this morning is from a family that has lost a loved one. We want to express our appreciation to Ten Mile Church for the meal that was served to the Jeannie Noss family. It was truly delicious and the flowers were beautiful. The love and kindness shown will always be remembered. May God continue to bless each and every one of you. Thank you so much. And that is from the family of Jeannie Noss. And the fourth and final card from this week is thank you Ten Mile family. I want to thank you for all the texts and messages during our battle with COVID. Most of all, all the prayers and love that we felt and the big box of snacks that you sent. It was much appreciated. Also to the families who brought food and to the individuals who brought a care package. With much love, Judy and Dennis Smith. And so whether it is reaching out to those in our community, to reaching into a city that desperately needs the gospel whether it is caring for people as they are losing loved ones, or whether it is being with people as they have health trouble, the church is more than just us coming together. And something you need to know is that Satan will always try to distract us from what God is doing and how God is working by taking our focus on changing people's lives and helping hurting people with things that make us turn inward. And how he does that is where we're at today in chapter 29 of 1 Samuel. If you're taking notes, and I hope that you take notes for two reasons. One, that you know that I am telling you what God's Word says. And two, that you can study it and grow. That's why we go verse by verse. Because God knows the battles that are in front of you. God knows the battles that you are facing today. And if I was to come in here and just pick out a sermon and a, and a title that I thought was cool, like uh, overcoming fear on my own part, you'd say, well, Jake, you probably read my Facebook page or, or you know what's going on in my family. But, but months ago, months when we started 1 Samuel, 
I had no idea that you would be here today. Something is, I hope that you would be here today. I had no idea what you'd be going through. But God did. And so today, whatever you're going through, whatever we're going through, hopefully God's word today will show you and encourage you because we're looking at this simple fact that fear makes us unfaithful. But God is faithful. Last week, we looked at the simple premise that fear will destroy us. We looked at how Saul had ran from God and and found a medium to raise Saul and to hear from him. The week before that, we looked at how David was fearful and ran and got into a mess. But today I want to show you in 2 Samuel 22, David has been brought through those battles. He's been brought through the battle of his sin with Bathsheba and Uriah. He's been delivered by God through the battles with Saul. And if you're here today, you can probably look back in your life and say, man, I did not think I was going to make it. I didn't think I was going to make it through that loss of a loved one. I didn't think I was going to make it through that diagnosis. I didn't think I was going to make it through that betrayal. I didn't think I would overcome that sin in my life. But as you look back, you're like, God did it. I hope that you can say that this morning. Some of us won't be able to say that till we get to heaven. Because things are so hard and difficult. And we just don't understand why things happen. But David is looking back and he's talking about how God was with him in the most fearful moments of his life. And then we're going to jump back and look at those moments that David was fearful. And today I hope that it will encourage you. And so if you would stand with me and out of a reverence to the reading of God's word. In 2 Samuel chapter 22, starting in verse 1, David says these words. Then David spoke to the Lord. The words of this song on the day when the Lord had delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. And he said, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, the God of my strength in whom I will trust my shield and horn of my salvation, my stronghold and my refuge, my savior, you save me from violence. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. And don't miss these words as he describes the overwhelming situations that he had been through. When the waves of death surrounded me, the floods of ungodliness made me afraid. The sorrows of Sheol surrounded me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried out to my God. And if you would for me, read those next four words with me. He heard my voice from his temple and my cry entered his ears. David said, when I was hopeless, when I thought I was going to die, when everyone abandoned me, when I had no hope at all, I cried out to God. And he heard me. And friends, today, that's what I want you to hear as we go through these verses today. Father, I come to you, Lord, as sinful man. And Lord, you know that I am no good. Uh, Lord, I have nothing to offer. But God, I trust that you can speak in this service just like you did the first one. Father, I pray today that your word would be proclaimed. That you would help me to say the things that I am supposed to say. 
and not say the things that I should not. Father, I pray today that your spirit, which only he can change hearts, would change hearts and heal and hope and give joy and peace and everything that is needed today as we all struggle with fear. And so, Father, I just ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. And so today, let's just be clear. There are some fears that we will talk about. If I was to ask today, how many of you are scared of snakes? Some of you will put up your hand. If I was to ask today, how many is afraid of spiders? Some of you will put up your hands. But if I was today to ask you some fears, you wouldn't tell me. Like, well, I'm, I'm afraid of forgiving because I might get hurt. Or I'm afraid of this because what's going on in the world. All of us have fears that we will admit to, and all of us have fears that we will not. You say, Jake, not me. I'm an open book. Trust me, I can promise you there is something that worries you, something that causes you anxiety that you would not share with anyone. And that's the way it is. But yet, if we have been looking at how fear will destroy us, how fear will hinder us, how fear will ruin the things that we love in our life, what is the answer? The answer is we have to be willing to trust God in our fear. And so as we come to this passage of Scripture, let's just recap where we're at. David had been delivered by God from Saul. Miraculously and powerful, God had worked in David's life, but yet he was afraid. And he decided it'd be better to live with the Philistines than to stay in Israel. And so he goes to the Philistines and he finds a place to live. They leave him there, but yet then he lies about the fact that he is not going to war. He tells the king, I'm going to war against your enemies. I'm going to war in the southern part of Israel. And the Philistines are thinking, he's beating up the Jews. He's beating up Israel. Well, this is perfect. And David's killing whole cities full of people so that no one will tell what he's been doing. Because of that, King Achish thinks he is so loyal that he promotes him to his personal bodyguard, him and all 600 men. That means where he goes, David goes. Who he fights, David fights. And so David's decision has got him in a mess because he can't fight God's people. He can't go to war with Israel. But yet if he doesn't do what he's been doing, he probably won't be able to stay in the land of the Philistines. And so here he is, what to do. And if you remember right there in the middle of that, the passage of Scripture skips and it goes to King Saul. It's kind of like the Bible wants you to know, if you think you can do something dumb, just wait. Someone can do something dumber. And Saul, in his fear, goes and has them raise Saul or Samuel or whatever vision that was. And he hears that he's going to die. His children's going to die. He's going to lose the kingdom. And then right when it seems hopeless for Saul, it jumps back to chapter 29. And so this morning, I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. David's fear and ours will put us in difficult situations. Look what it says here in verses 1 through 3 of chapter 29. Then the Philistines gathered together all their armies at Aphek, and the Israelites encamped by the fountain which is in Jezreel. And the lords of the Philistines passed in review by hundreds and by thousands. But David and his men passed in, re in review at the rear with a kish. Then the princes of the Philistines said, What are these Hebrews doing here? And Achish said to the princes of the Philistines, Is this not David, the servant of Saul, king of Israel, who has been with me these days or these years? 
And to this day I have found no fault in him since he defected to me. So you've probably seen something on the news with China or Russia or North Korea where they get all their military might and they march it through a city, right? It'll be on the news and it's, it's them marching in step and, and followed by tanks. And then there's usually a flyover of, of some kind of military a helicopter or airplane. It's a show of force. And someone like Kim Jong-un standing there going, hmm, you know, watching them march by all prideful. That's what's going on here. They are reviewing their forces, but yet they are also celebrating the might of the Philistine army. And then all of a sudden, at the very end, comes trickling by about four to five hundred Hebrews. Maybe more, maybe less. And there's David. And all the other Philistine rulers go, wait a second. Why is he here? Why is he fighting with us? What happens if we get in the middle of battle and he turns sides? What happens if... If they get in the middle of the thicket and they decide they're going to kill us to find favor with Saul. He said, he can't fight with us. We don't want him here. And Akish says, listen here, I don't want you to miss this. And to this day, I have found no fault in him since he defected to me. Akish says, I'm putting my reputation online. This guy is the real deal. He is loyal, he is faithful, he is, he is everything we need. Now, in the 8th chapter of 2 Samuel, after Saul's dead, after David is king, your Bible will probably say something like, David conquers his enemies. And guess who in chapter 8 is the enemies that he conquers? The Philistines. And can you imagine, and this is just my sanctified imagination, you could take it for what it's worth. If Akish is still alive, or his family is still alive, I've not studied that far ahead in depth yet. Can you imagine what the other Philistine lords would be saying to him? Still think he's wonderful now? Still want to vouch for him now? You see, the Bible makes it abundantly clear, friends, that there are none good. None good. All of us are sinners. All of us fall short. All of us struggle. And I'm going to say this twice today. That the church is the one place in the world that we're supposed to forgive one another. It's the one place in the world that says, I'm broken, you're broken, I'm a sinner, you're a sinner. But when we look at something like this, he has said, David has no fault. David is perfect. David has done everything right, but do you remember that David had been doing something wrong? David had been lying. David had been sneaking around. And so this morning I want you to see this, that David's sin, that David's fear had put Akish in a difficult situation. And this morning you need to know that your sin and my sin doesn't just affect us. My sin can affect other people. My, your sin will affect other people. And so this morning what we see here is that David's fear had put him in a difficult situation. But yet I want you to see also this morning though that sometimes God will send you and God will ask you to make decisions and other times you will make decisions and there's a difference. David had left his home out of fear. David had his, left his home out of a self-preservation. But in Genesis chapter 12... God told Abram, you need to go. You need to find a new place. And it says in verses 1 through 3, 
Now the Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country, from your family and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And so this morning, when you make decisions, whether it's how to love your spouse or how to treat the person you work with or how you're going to manage God's money or how you're going to deal with people or how you're going to deal with that diagnosis from the doctor, how you're going to deal with losing a loved one, you have one of two options. You can either make decisions based on fear Based decisions based on your emotions. Or you can say, God, you send me. God, you give me a purpose. God, you give me the answer. God, you tell what you want from my life. And I will trust you to make it work. Second thing I want to show you here is that David's sin or David's fear causes division and disunity. Look here starting in verse 4. But the princes of the Philistines were angry with him. So the princes of the Philistines said, Make this fellow return, that he may go back to the place which you have appointed for him. And do not let him go down with us to battle, lest in the battle he becomes our adversary. Our adversary. For with what could he reconcile himself to his master, if not with the heads of these men? Is it not David of whom they sang to one another in dances, saying, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands? And then Akish called David and said to him. So what happens is they tell him he can't come with us. Now we don't know if the Philistine leaders knew something about David that Akish didn't. Maybe they had realized all these cities are coming up empty full of people. <laughs> there are literally cities being wiped off the map. And it's David. We don't know that. But whatever has happened here, they will not go to war with the Kish if David's there. He can't go with them. And so we see here division that is not caused by the Philistines, but it's caused by David. And so it goes on and says, Then a Kish in verse 6 called David and said to him, Surely as the Lord lives, you have been upright. And don't miss this. This is the second time he puts David on a pedestal of being holy and righteous. And you're going out and coming in with me, and the army is good in my sight. For to this day I have found no evil in you. I have not found evil in you since the day of your coming to me. So don't miss this. He is telling David, you've been perfect. You have had no fault. And what we see here is the simple fact that King Akish has put a man on a pedestal. And today, friends, the Bible says that for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I'm a sinner. You are a sinner. There is no way around it. The Bible says that the heart is deceitfully wicked. And so this morning you might be saying, well, Jake, I would never do that. Or Jake, you would never do that. Or, or, or that could not happen. Today, friends, sin happens to all of us. Sin is a struggle that we all have. And today, I and you must be willing, or you and I, excuse me, must be willing to recognize that the only one who is good is God. The only one who is perfect is God. The only one who deserves our praise and worship and honor is Him. 
But listen to David's response. So David said to Akish, What have I done? And to this day, what have you found in your servant as long as I have been with you that I may not go and fight against the enemies of my lord the king? Then Akish answered and said to David, Don't miss it. I know that you are good in my sight as an angel of God. Nevertheless, the princes of the Philistines have said, He shall not go up with us to battle. Now therefore rise early in the morning with your master's servant who have come with you. And as soon as you are up early in the morning and have light, depart. You see, it's not bad enough that this has caused this. David says, what have I done? Well, David knows what he's done. David has been lying. He's been deceitful. He has done all of these things, but yet he's saying, well, it wasn't me. What's the issue? And so I want to show you this this morning because David was living in sin. But yet David's sin affected Akish. And Akish's relationship with others was affected not because Akish had done anything wrong. Akish just believed what he saw. And so this morning you need to know that and I need to know that as we deal with fear, there is always more going on than we understand. Friends, there's always more that is happening than we understand. And so if you are going to base your ability to overcome fear on earthly things, or if you're going to base your desires of serving God on earthly things, or if you're going to base your marriage on earthly things, there will be always things that are going on in your life that you won't fully understand, that you won't fully be under, able to explain. There will always be people that fail you. There will always be pastors that hurt you. There will always be situations at work that struggle. There's always going to be problems in marriage because why? We are all sinners. We all fall short. That's why I said I was going to say this twice. That is why the church is the one place. The one place that says you can have a second chance. And a third chance. You see the Philistines said David doesn't get a second chance. <laughs> David is already famous for killing who? Philistine soldiers. The song is literally Saul has killed his thousands. David his tens of thousands. And so we ain't going to battle with someone who's being celebrated for killing our own people. But yet the gospel teaches us that when Jesus Christ came into this world and hung on the cross, that he hung on the cross for your sin and for my sin. And no matter where I've been or what I've done or the baggage that I care or how many times I've failed him, he died for me. And so whether you like it or not, or I like it about you, that if I will repent of my sins and call upon the Lord Jesus Christ, I will be forgiven. And Friends, that goes for you today. Some of your fear is the fact that you're afraid that you will be found out for who you really are. Friends, I can tell you what, God already knows who you are. God knows every wicked thought, every wicked desire, but yet He died for you anyway. Now, I know what you're thinking. Jake, you look pretty snazzy on Sundays. I didn't say the face. It's this way all the time. And I need to take a moment to apologize. Last Sunday, I made a statement that boys should wear blue, girls should wear pink. Well, apparently, that was just a joke if you didn't know that. But it didn't go over very well. 
And so Wednesday night, I wore this very same shirt, which is pink, and apologized to the Wednesday night crowd and said, it's just a joke. You can wear pink if you want to. You can wear blue if you want to. And so I wore this to Sunday to show you that I own a pink shirt. And I have no hard feelings towards you if you wear lavender or if you wear fuchsia or whatever the color is, all right? Usually I wear a tie, right? But for some reason, my collars are getting smaller on my shirts. And it wouldn't fit this morning when I went to put it on. But friends, I'm a sinner. You can dress it up. You can, you, can, you can make it look good, but we're sinners. And it's church we can come in our best clothes and sit in our best seats and have our hair fixed just right. And all, every, but we're sinners. And the danger is that we see from a kish is that David, in his eyes, made no for sins. And so today I want to challenge you that when you face fear and you face difficulties and you face hardships that you know that it's not you that is the hope. It's not me that is the hope. And the third and final thing is this. Even though David's fear had put him in this situation, even though David's fear had divided and brought disunity, David was delivered by God's mercy and protection. And I don't want you to miss this because this is where the sermon gets good. You say, Jake, I've heard your sermons. They're never good. The Bible is good. In verse 11, it says here, So David and his men rose early to depart in the morning to return to the land of the Philistines. And the Philistines went up to Jezreel. You see, David had got himself in a situation where he was going to have to either fight the king who was protecting him or the people of God. And yet God made a way for him not to fight either. God took him from a situation that would have been certain destruction and gave him hope. A verse that I have read every day now for almost two years since the beginning of COVID and the beginning of division and everything that's been going on in our country and churches is Isaiah, the 35th chapter. And I want to read this to you today because I think it is absolutely fitting for the fear and struggles that we have. Starting in Isaiah 35, it says, Strengthen the weak hands. And that word for weak here is falling hands. And it gives the idea that if you are carrying something heavy, at some point your arms begin to get weak. And they begin to fall. Now, I don't lift weights, as you can tell. I don't need to at this point. It's beyond hope. If you lift heavy weights, your arms begin to get weak, tired. And this verse says here, strengthen the sinking or weak hands. And I don't want you to miss this. And it goes on and says, and make firm the stumbling or feeble, is what your Bible says in mine, knees. And it's this idea that what you are carrying and where you are going has begun so heavy that you can't carry it with your arms and it has caused your legs and knees to be so weak that you cannot go. So what is it that he is talking about carrying that has got you to the point where you cannot use your arms and you cannot use your legs? Now think about this. Your arms are very much a blessing. You can feed yourself with them. You can work with them. You can hug the people you love with them. Your legs are a miraculous thing. You can walk with them. You can, you can run with them. You can dance with them. But look what it says here. And I don't want you to miss this. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. 
What has brought this person to a crippling position? Say to those who are fearful hearted. Friends, this morning you need to know something. Whether you will admit it before God or whether you will admit it to yourself, fear will bring you to a place where it cripples your life. That literally means that this fearful person has let whatever the fear is keep them from being able to use their arms and their legs. It has taken their ability to do life. It has taken their ability to serve God. It's taken their ability to serve family. It's taken their ability to be used by God. It has crippled them. And it's what? A fearful heart. You say, well, Jake, my fear is not causing any trouble for me. You are lying to yourself. Whether your fear is relationships with other people, whether your fear is to open up and love someone, whether your fear is to face death, sickness, whatever it is, I don't know what your fear is, but I know what mine are. And what he says here is your fear will cripple you. Friends, God came. To set the bound free. Jesus healed those. Who couldn't walk. Jesus restored a hand that wouldn't work. Jesus gave sight to the blind. Jesus came. To restore and to heal and make new. And one of the greatest bondages that churches are in. Whether it's COVID. Whether it's before COVID. Whether it's emotional. Spiritual. is fear. Fear has controlled everything in our lives. It controls how we spend God's money. It controls how we love people. It controls how we forgive people. But look what it says there. Say to those who are fearful hearted. Who fear has crippled you. Fear has made you unable to go. Be strong and do not fear. Be strong and do not fear. You say, look at there preacher. I will pull myself up by my own bootstraps. Don't do that. Because look what it goes on and says. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. The hope to overcome fear is God. Trusting Him. This next word I have practiced all week. Because whether or not you know it, I might pronounce words wrong from time to time. With the recompense of God. It means the justice of God. Making it all right. He will come and save you. Now, I don't know if you like that verse or not, but I do. And for two years, it's the verse I have prayed. It's the verse I have read. It's the verse I have reminded. God has reminded and reminded and reminded. But you know what happens? Sometimes I think, I'll just carry this one myself. I got this. I can handle this problem. I can handle this person. I can handle this situation. I can handle it. I'm a grown man. And then it begins to overwhelm. It begins to, to close in on you. I, I'm good. I, I'll just hold it tighter. But the longer you walk with it, guess what begins to happen? Your knees begin to fail. Your legs begin to come weak. And what was once a one strong, able-bodied person becomes a person who is unable to do anything. And friends, we have watched it in our country, in our churches. And I'm not talking about just what's going on now. 
I'm talking about a fear that we have lost our country when we still serve a God who can reach into the most darkest of places and save sinners. We look at it when we see the political climate of today and think there is no hope and it is hopeless outside of the Lord. You say, Jake, you just don't understand the relationship problems that I'm going through. Jake, you don't understand the problems that we're having at home. Jake, you don't understand the problems we're having with our children. You are right. I don't, but I can tell you this, that your fear and your sin will not help at all. It will cripple your ability to love your family. It will cripple your ability to help those that you care for. It will cripple your ability to be used by God at church and at work. And God says, if you're fearful, if your heart is given out, if you are broken, don't give up. Turn to Him. Turn to Him. What does that mean? That means today if you're here and you're lost, you need to know something. You are an enemy of God. Not a, not a pen pal, not a next door neighbor. You are an enemy of God. Because you're a sinner. And God is perfect. God is holy. God is righteous. And God will not tolerate sin. In his presence forever. But yet because we are so sinful. And so broken. And he is so perfect that he loved you. You say Jake I don't even love me some days. I understand. I'm not talking about loving you. I'm talking about loving me. But he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, knowing your failures, knowing your sin, knowing your fear, knowing your brokenness. And he came to this earth. And he lived a perfect life. He never sinned. Never. And he willingly went to the cross. And the Bible says that when he went to the cross, he didn't go to the cross for his sins. But he went to the cross for mine. And he went to the cross for yours. And the Bible says that as he hung there, he took the judgment of God for your sins and for mine. And he died on a cross that he didn't deserve, taking a punishment that wasn't his. They buried him in a tomb. Three days later, he arose. He said, Jake, I, uh, I don't have a problem with Jesus. I just don't believe all of the miracles of the Bible. I, just, I don't believe that God could create everything in six literal days. I don't believe that God could walk on water. I don't believe that, uh, that, that Jesus healed the blind and the sick. Look up here. If you cannot believe the miracles of the Old Testament and the miracles of Jesus' life, you cannot believe the miracle of the resurrection. A dead man coming back to life. But he did. And the Bible says, because he did, we have hope that sin and death and the grave can't touch this. Went back to heaven, sits at the right hand of the Father, and one of these days, he's going to come again for his children. You say, Jake, that's wonderful. I want to go to heaven. I think I can understand that. Just wait a second. You cannot just add Jesus to your life. You can't just add him on like you do mayonnaise to Italian beef. I don't know if anybody noticed this or not, but no one else puts mayonnaise on Italian beef except for me and my wife. There's something wrong with you people. But that's how most people 
treat Jesus. I'll just add him to my life, and it's my life, and he can just go with me where I want. There's literally a song that talks about him being in the passenger seat, take the wheel. But that's not how the Bible teaches it. The Bible teaches that when the Spirit of God convicts you, you have to come to him with everything. Say, Lord, you have all of me because I'm a sinner. I'm a liar. I'm a thief. I'm a cheat. I'm a, I'm a lustful, heathen sinner. All of us are. He knows you. You say, Jake, that's kind of depressing. It would be. But that's when he says, if you'll admit you're a sinner, You've got to admit it today. You can't come into this church saying, well, I'm not that bad. I'm, I'm not near as bad as you are, Jake. No, you are a sinner today. It doesn't matter if you are morally behaved. It doesn't matter if you are educated. You are a sinner. and You deserve hell. But yet Jesus loves you so much that after he died on the cross for you and rose from the dead, he offered salvation to you and I. You say, well, Jake, what does it take to be saved? Can I just agree with him? No, you have to repent. That means you have to come to God and say, Lord, I am a sinner. And Lord, you are who you say you are. You are the sinless son of God. Everything was created by you and for you and through you. Lord, it's all about you. Jesus, everything revolves around you. Spiritually, emotionally, everything. It's him. You've got to acknowledge that. You say, Jake, I just don't have a view of God like that. Then I'm sorry, you don't have a view of the God of the Bible. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the great I am. That's who he is. And so you say, Jake, I'm going to come and I'm going to treat him like the little servant that he was in the Bible. Then you're not serving the God of all of the Bible. He is conqueror. He is king. And you've got to say, Lord, my life is yours. Every single bit of it. Lord, I want your forgiveness. And I want you to come into my heart and life as the Lord and Savior of every part of me. Every part. And so, friends, you have to do that. You say, Jake, I was baptized. I'm, I'm going to heaven. No, you're not. You say, Jake, I, I, I've been a member of this church. I'm going to heaven. No, you're not. Unless you have been born again. Unless you have accepted the free gift of salvation and given your heart and life to him, friends, you are hopeless. But you do not have to be. See, Jesus loved you so much that he came, that he died. He sent the Holy Spirit to convict you. If you're here today and you're saying, Jake, I, I am a sinner and I need a Savior, it ain't me that's telling you that. That's the Spirit of God. Because the world in our hearts would say, I don't need God. Jake, I'm better than you. I'm better than them. But when the Spirit of God begins to convict you of your sin, that's the game changer. You say, Jake, I just don't know what you're talking about. Well, let me tell you something. That's because you've never experienced him. If you've met Jesus and he's changed your life and he's forgiven you of your sin, it is something you will never get over. Never. Now, you might forget you might wander, you might stumble, but I'm telling you, once you meet him, it changes everything. And so this morning you're here saying, Jake, I just don't have a relationship with God. I, I don't know where I would go if I died. Today, if you'll repent, 
Make Him the Lord and Savior of your life. Repent and turn to Him. He will save you completely. The world will tell you, well, you're like David, you can't join us. But that's not what Jesus says. It's not what He says. You say, well, whew, that was a long invitation, preacher, and it didn't apply to me because I'm saved. Well, I'm glad you're saved. But today what I can tell you is this. Even if you are saved, fear is still an issue. It is an issue. You say, well, Jake, what does that fear look like in my life? Well, if I've not offended you yet, might as well start now. Fear is not trusting that God is who he said he is. Or that he will do what he says he does. And I'm going to make a statement. And you can string me up for it later. Fear is sin. It is sin because what it says is. God you cannot take care of me. God you can't provide for me. God you can't be there when I need you. It is sin. Against who God is. And so this morning. I I want you to know that if it's an emotional issue. If it's a relationship issue, if it's a fear of death, if it's a fear of the unknown, whatever it is, fear to forgive, it's not sin because you're doing something you're not supposed to do. It's sin because you're telling God that he is not who he says that he is. That's why the Bible says if you want to be greatest, you must become least. If you want to become first, you must become last. If you want forgiveness, you have to forgive. If you want mercy shown to you, you have to show mercy. And so this morning, I'm telling you that God is faithful. And so if you're here and you're weak, and and your legs don't work because you have been overcome by whatever sin it is, And by sin, I mean fear, too. Today, God says, you don't have to carry it anymore. Because I've already taken that from you on Calvary. You see, Jesus didn't just die for some of your sins. He died for all of them. And when he says all of them, he means all of them. And so today, I have no idea what your situation is. And during the altar call today, I'm going to be very quiet. Because you are the only one who can come to God and say, here I am, Lord. All my fears, all my failures, all my struggles. But I know that you can change it in every single way. And so I'm going to be standing right down here. I would love to show you what the Bible says about being saved. I'd love to pray with you any way that I can. If there are more people that come that I can talk to, we have people, men and women, who would love to share the gospel with you, would love to pray with you. Because why God wants to show you that he can deliver you. Just like he did David from whatever it is that's causing you to drown today. The question is though, will you let him? Will you let him? Father, I come to you today, Lord, thankful for your word. Lord, I, I thank you that you knew what we needed today. As individuals, as families, and as a church. Lord, you know me. You know my heart and the struggles that I have. But today, Lord, I'm standing upon your word. Your word alone. 
Father, I pray for this congregation full of people and wherever they're at today, whether they're lost and they know it, whether they're lost and they won't admit it, or today, Lord, they're lost and they're just ready to step out and come. I pray that you'd help them. Father, I pray for that couple that is struggling at home. I pray for that couple that is that has been hurt. I pray for that couple that is that is running from you, God, that today would be the day they would they would come to you and say, Lord, today our life is yours. Fully and completely. Lord, I pray for our church. That you'd help us to, to do what you want us to do, to stay humble, focused on you. But Lord, I pray today that you would set people free from sin, from fear. Lord, maybe today someone just wants to come and thank you that you've given them the victory. Today, Lord, they're looking back to saying, I never thought I could or I never thought I would. But God, you've been faithful through it all. So Father, today I just pray that your Holy Spirit would be at work for your glory and your glory alone. I pray, Father, that I failed you in any way this morning. That you forgive me. God, I ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Today, as you have been listening to this sermon, maybe you have been thinking, the Holy Spirit's been working, that I'd like to know more about Jesus. I'm not sure if I've ever been saved. Please reach out and contact us. We would love to share the gospel with you. Pray with you with whatever's going on in your life. Or maybe you are a believer, but yet you've got some spiritual battles that you've just not been able to conquer. We'd love to join you in that battle. So please, reach out to us. We would love and are waiting to hear from you. May God richly bless you in Jesus' name.